So welcome back, everybody, to the fourth episode of the Readiness Report Live with me, Aaron Sigerman, and Eric Hart, uh, president of Redcon One, Silky Tube. Silky Tube. Tube. I'll just refer to myself as Silky Tube. Silky Tube. I don't even know if I know my own name anymore. <laughs> it's been a busy week here at Redcon One, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's been a very busy day. Yeah. So it's like one thing to another thing, and I've actually been out of town for two days, so Silky Tube has been holding down the fort and uh, dealing with all the craziness that is Redcon on why I went on my anniversary trip for a few days. So. Which you have to do. You have to disconnect. You have to. Otherwise, why do all this if you can't enjoy your time with and, your wife? And, and, and I really disconnected. Like, like I haven't done so before. Why don't you tell them why you're disconnected? Yeah, so I'm on the, I'm packing my clothes, <laughs> as I usually do, moments before I, am, I need to leave, right? I'm packing my clothes and getting ready. And my phone, I look at my phone. I was charging it to, to make sure I had all the batteries I needed for the plane trip and you know, uh, to, to get going. We, we actually took a seaplane, my first seaplane trip uh, ever to uh, to this island right off the coast of Key West. And I looked at my phone and it was doing the app, showing a little Apple. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess it's rebooting. And then it rebooted and then it did the Apple again and then rebooted to the Apple again. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> and I called Ryan here, uh, Chief Marketing Officer, and uh, I guess what do call Lord, Lord of the Dorks. Lord of the Dorks yep. I said, Ryan, what the hell's going on on my phone? And uh, he couldn't help me, although he thought he could. He, we tried everything he suggested. It didn't work. And uh, by the time we took off, I had I was like, okay, well, that's it. <laughs> Tell them why your phone acted up. Well, we don't know. Why? Because it's it it wet? Well, my phone's meant – it's uh, the new Apple iPhone 11 is meant to be able to go in the water. Yeah, but I your thought. secondary battery case is not. Yes. Well, I don't know. The whole damn phone broke. The whole damn phone broke. Um, regardless of whose fault it is, Eric, my phone broke. And uh, when I got on the plane, I was like, damn it. And uh, I actually – I didn't hear from you earlier. No, I know. So weird, I like, right? I actually had a real book. So I stopped reading. I'm a huge, huge reader, but I stopped reading real books. And I only read books on my phone now. I have thousands of books on my phone, hundreds of thousands at least. And, um, but I did have one book from Jack Carr, who was just on the show. The newest one? The newest one, Savage Son, who I'm about halfway through. You know, I've been reading so many books simultaneously. Um, uh, and I'm reading uh, a few really cool ones. But this one, you know, I've been trying to push through it. And I got through about half of it before his interview, but he sent me a physical copy like a pre-reader oh, yeah, book. It was a, cool was a book, super yeah. cool book. And I'm like, well, at least I have a book. And so on the airplane ride, right, yeah, thank God. I, well, I know. I knew my phone was screwed. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm fine. I need everything's a book. here, though, not at the I house. know, I know. I brought it home, and I took the book on the plane, and I read on the plane. And the funny thing is, my, my okay, my phone wasn't working the whole time. I had Eduardo uh, find a solution, Eduardo and Ryan, and they brought me an iPhone 7 from Radio to Shack. the island, <laughs> to the island, from Radio Shack. <laughs> To help me. And, I didn't know there was Radio yeah, Shack left. Now me either, actually. And so from Key West Radio Shack, they, they delivered me a phone to the island you know, on a boat, and then the, the phone didn't actually work. No, because so, I talked to you, and it was like underwater. Yeah. <laughs> My SIM card wouldn't work. It was a disaster. and uh, But it was great also because it allowed me for the first time in many, many years to disconnect. And it also allowed me to realize how much my wife uses her phone. I'm like, like would, you, would you stop at the phone? <laughs> She's like, that's how I always feel. I'm like, well, maybe it's you using the phone just as much as me, and then you stop and look at me, who knows? Probably a little bold, because I know I'll, that'll happen with Aaron, like my old Phoebe. I'll look over and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah. But again, I'm always on the phone, I'm answering You can't say much, but if your phone doesn't work, man, you sure do notice a lot. While we're sitting at dinner, I'm like this, and she's looking at her phone like, excuse me, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I experienced it the other direction, but uh, I, did, uh, I did get a break. I did take a break, and uh, so... We're here for the show and our fourth episode. We've had Jack Carr, which I just mentioned, best-selling author. We've had Jordan Zimmerman, self-made billionaire. We've had Jason Huh, owner of Steel Supplements, a friend of mine, former professional bodybuilder, very uh, interesting personality in the world of bodybuilding and fitness. Yeah, I mean, so the 
three completely different perspectives on life. Um, you know, and, and all, all people who are successful in their own realm. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting too with the panel tonight is now you got three people who maybe don't have a lot in common. Yeah. You know what I mean? Different so people, completely different backgrounds, completely different, all connected to it somehow, but that's yeah. about the only commonality. Yeah. And so when we started the show, we wanted to make the show, obviously, uh, it is a Redcon One show, but it's not about Redcon One. We don't really talk a lot about the products. We talk about the world in general. We talk about our guests and we hope to provide value to you guys who are watching. The listeners, if you're listening on uh, iTunes or Spotify, and the people watching on YouTube and Facebook, et cetera, right? That's the whole point of the show. Hopefully, you come away realizing that uh, Redcon won and that we are much more than a supplement brand. And more importantly, hopefully, you get value from it. So we've shown very different people. But tonight, we're doing something for a very first time and having a panel discussion. Which should be pretty interesting. Which should be pretty interesting. So we told the, the panelists beforehand uh, that we won't be censoring it. It's say whatever you want to say. And uh, the topics are very wide ranging. So looking forward to that after the commercial break. So let me remind everybody, question and answers. So we would love for you to write in your Q&As. You have questions, we have answers. Even if we don't get to them right away, if you insert them now, we'll do our best to make sure to answer them, especially the good ones, by the end of the show or at some point during the show. So question on that. For yeah. if there's maybe some really good question, we just flat out run out of time. Is there a way for someone to submit a question for us to either answer in the future or get back to them on it outside of here? You know, so if you go to readinessreportlive.com, you'll see Ryan was just saying on there, there's a place for you to submit a question and we can do an answer for sure. That way you can go there, make sure your answer, your question is answered in the future episode. We may even do a show, an extra show for a week where we go back in time and answer questions that you guys have asked in, in, the, in the distant past or recent past to make sure everybody gets a chance to yeah, be a answer. Future right? themed episode? Back to the future. Sure. Absolutely. And we're uh Spacesuit. So let's go to our first news. All right, story. So bodybuilding in the world of fitness and bodybuilding, where we come from, has been just like everywhere else in the world and every other live event has been put on hold. Um, the uh, from from basketball to hockey, we have a hockey suite for the BB&T Center that we pay for. <laughs> that is uh, not had an event. No breaks on that one. Yeah, no, we got no breaks. Uh, this has not had an event or a concert in forever. But for bodybuilding and fitness. They have hundreds, thousands of shows each year that these promoters and the NTC and the IFBB, they count on this revenue. These guys are not making a ton of money. It's not like the uh, hockey teams or the NFL or the NHL. There's no corporate sponsorship. No, no, corporate. no advertising dollars, yeah. really. And, and truthfully, while it is uh, owned uh, by Jim Mannion and, uh, and they have a great empire, a lot of the promoters are living and dying based on each one of these shows. And a lot of them have died and don't know what to do. But the good news is the first bodybuilding show in many months has been held in Oklahoma. And you're seeing some of the some of it right now. The show was uh, held; it was a success. Everybody's very excited to be there, and uh, more shows are coming in the future. You see some of these bikini girls right here who won their categories. No masks, also, which is interesting. And they're very so, close together, we'll, and we will we'll talk about that in the future. So the question really is: What states are going to be open for bodybuilding? When is the industry going to open all the way back up? What is the new normal in bodybuilding shows? And uh, I mean, hopefully, we won't be seeing competitors on stage in masks. That would be Kind of like ridiculous, but <laughs> got more up top on your face than you do your junk. Yeah, yeah. Well, you may have seen new winners if you can't see the face, right? <laughs> you can't see the face. I talked to Steve Weinberger a few days ago. He called and we spoke for a little while about about uh, gyms, his gym business and my gym business, our gym business. And um, and he said that uh, his shows, he plans to go on. Everything's just moved further to the right. So a lot of the big shows and the shows to, to actually qualify to become, uh, have a shot at the Olympia 
are going to occur a little later on. And that's what's difficult for competitors, right? You Normally, you'd have a show schedule. You can map out your training, your dieting. We're now all of a sudden, well, there's a, quite a few people at the gym. There's a guy, Daryl, that um, was always training when Zach and I trained in the mornings. And he had a show that was supposed to be in June. Yeah. So now it's like, okay, show got moved out to like the back half of the year. So now you got to like, okay, so all these guys that were you know training for the Olympia. Yeah. So it's like you started prep and you got to stop, go back into it. So tough. it's just tough there, tough financially on, you know, each, like you say, each promoter. Right. And you know, it'd be interesting too, like what uh, Steve did for blessing for the judging. Mm -hmm. Could that be the future of? Yeah, shows? I've talked to him about that. It'd be that that would be very interesting. That would be something I'd love to put on a virtual pro bodybuilding show that qualifies for Olympia. And I mean, we're seeing some kind of resurgence now. We're going to talk about later in in cases for COVID. So maybe that's something that could be in the future. But uh, next on our list is CrossFit and Reebok. So this is a crazy story and uh, pretty unfortunate. So comments made by the CrossFit CEO, and it's something that we want to talk about a little bit. Later on, do I have a pen, guys? Give me a pen. So, uh, thanks, Johnny. Uh, a subject that I actually want to address with our panel in a little while is this subject of, you know, is politics, should politics come into play when you talk about business? You avoid the politics or, or even anything that could be triggering to anybody if you're a business owner. So uh, Colin is a business, actually every one of these guys. So Sean, uh, Sean Ros Rosario is a business owner. And Carl Lenore is a small business owner. And so, of course, is Colin Wayne. So it is a question, when should you allow politics into the public discourse? Or should you never? Because uh, obviously it could be very divisive. So now this, this quote here, uh, which Mr. Glassman, Greg Glassman made, uh, may have pushed uh, into like totally inappropriate, inappropriate range. So the founder of the U.S. brand CrossFit will step down from his position as CEO following a disastrous few days that have seen the fitness program lose key partnerships. So Reebok, I didn't even know this, had a $150 million a year deal with them to sponsor them. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And they've decided to pull out of their deal. The move came after the pair, uh, a pair of offensive tweets by Greg Glassman on Saturday in response to a tweet uh, from Research Center Institute of uh, Health Metrics and Evaluation, which stated racism is a public health issue. Uh, Glassman tweeted, it's a Floyd 19 in reference to the police killing of Floyd, uh, George Floyd, whose death was sparked in a global pro protest movement. I don't know what possessed them to say that. I don't either. Um, that was a, it was like, I don't know, like some of these guys and girls out there have made tweets that are, could be really on the edge uh, of, but they all make kind of make sense to some degree, at least in their point of view. I don't know why he would post that because that doesn't make any sense to me and, uh, and can't even be like, how do you justify like why, stir the pot if you're the CEO of a big company. Especially of a company whose platform was always all-inclusive, right? Yeah. Always. That was the thing about CrossFit. is like the typical gym like we own. Some people might feel, oh, it's only for meatheads. It's only for certain types of people. Where CrossFit was very, you know, it was. It was It was all-encompassing. It was just like, I had not, you know, I don't want to use this term. It's probably a bad thing to say. But it was like come one, come all where, yeah. you know, it didn't matter background, whatever, even if you weren't fit yet, you know, they were going to get you there. So race, religion, you know, ethnicity didn't matter. Yeah. And you know, you look at the CrossFit Games, it's a very diverse group of people. And then for the person who runs it, founded it. To Just no point. Like, What's the upside? No, 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 there's no upside. Because we talked about that, right? Of like, you know, we all have our own views and, you know, our opinions on things. And when you own a business, it's, you do have to stand for something, right? Because everybody yeah. has to stand for something. But then also, too, it's like you have to be cautious with your words, especially with that where you have all these people who are probably 
beyond evangelists for the brands. They're full on fanatical oh, about yeah. CrossFit. And then someone you know makes this type of statement. Like, I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah, me either. And uh, you know, for uh for those guys over there, I mean, they remind me a lot of bodybuilding. The thing that I like the most, one of the things I like the most about the bodybuilding industry, and there's things that are definitely bad about the bodybuilding and fitness industry. One of the things I loved and I've always loved is bodybuilding doesn't care about your race, it doesn't care about your gender, it doesn't care about your religion, it makes no difference and makes no differentiation between one person or another. Whoever has the best physique. And the judge's eyes wins. You know, well, I think um, there's actually been more titles held by African Americans. I'm I'm pretty sure that's yeah, that's the case. The total number of Olympians. And nobody has ever said, "Oh, Ronnie Coleman's won eight years time for a white guy to win." Like, no. This never came out. Nobody says that. It's whoever is the best, and that's a very big important thing because that's how we run the business here at Redcon One. I never think we never think about getting uh, fitting gender roles or r- racial roles. We don't. We just do who's ever the best, no, sure. and that's the way it should be. And honestly, I've never even thought any other way. Um, so I think that's the way it should be. I love that about bodybuilding. I know Ben Weeder and Joe Weeder, who started the Fathers of Bodybuilding, were very proud of that. Very, very proud of that. So. Yeah, especially as you think of the time that bodybuilding got popular, you know, with Arnold. Yeah. I mean, it was always between someone who was Cuban and, you know, actually it was two non-American people yeah. between Sergio Olivia Sr. and Arnold. And, uh, you know, obviously, we know, uh, Rob Wilkins is a close friend of us and a friend of the brand, friend of the show. And he traveled the world with Ben Weeder. Ben Weeder was a Jewish guy from Canada who was uh, had a lot of um, persecution. His family did uh, being a, a Jewish guy. And he went all over the world to Arab countries, to uh, hostile countries that didn't want him there to spread the good word of bodybuilding. And so that's uh, that's kind of how I view things. So uh, it, let's move on to something much more positive. Uh, every uh, every few so often we introduce a new athlete for Redcon One. When we pick an athlete for Redcon One, it's a very difficult decision. We don't just pick somebody because they have a big following. We don't just pick somebody because they've done something awesome and unique. We pick somebody because they've done both, and they have a story that fits with the brand. From the very beginning of Redcon One, we've had a very specific brand filter, and we never take anybody that doesn't fit the brand filter. And uh, so it's a hard decision to pick a new athlete. It is because, you know, a lot of times people may wonder, like, why that person? Yes. You know, or why didn't you pick up this person? But in our eyes, they didn't fit the brand, just like an employee. Um, someone has to fit through that filter or a new product, whatever it is. Yeah. So that's more of an internal decision. I know a lot of times people are like, oh, you should sign this guy. And we're like, nope, just doesn't fit the brand. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the personality is such a big factor where even if they do accomplish all these things or do such great stuff or have a huge following, if their personality doesn't, like, for example, if you take yourself too seriously, you think you're the man and you need to be treated a certain way, you probably won't fit with our brand. We joke around and we use humor as part of the way that we build uh, authenticity and build following in the brand. So. Yeah. And one of the like company values that's on all of our lanyards or badges is, we, you know, it came from, uh, really came from Apple was we all take out the trash. And it's true. Like you just, if something needs to be done, you just pick it up. It's not about titles. It's not about position. It's just get the job done. And to your point, yeah, there's some people that we know we'd have to, you know, handle with kid gloves. That's like, that's just not who we are. You want to introduce them? The next big athlete for Redcon One? Do we do commercial break first? No, I, I think after, right? Yeah, yeah. after. We're okay, well, I just want to make sure, you know, Johnny, I don't want Johnny to yell at me. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, he's already on the screen. Oh, there we go. What's up, everybody? So, in case you don't know who this is, two time world's strongest man, Martin. Well, one time world's strongest man. No, Arnold. Arnold. Uh, Oh, I'm going. I'm going for it. I'm definitely gonna gun for multiple time world strongest man. <laughs> I'm just putting it in the universe for you already. Oh, it's a yes, <laughs> yes. I like that. And it's and, Martin, and Martins, you know what we were just mentioning about literally about you is that 
you uh, not only are a great athlete and have built a great following, but you've also, you know, developed a character. You don't take yourself too seriously. You have fun at what you do. And we're all about having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love the sport. I've, I've always it's just felt good to me. I love just joking around and enjoying myself. That's really what, it, what it's come down to. And also just pushing my body to discover what's possible in strength. Yeah. So for, for you, did you always know you wanted to be a strong man or is this something that came later in life? Um, yeah. So as a kid, I would uh, visit my grandparents' farm in Latvia and uh, my grandfather there was a stone sculptor. So he had all, me doing all this farm work and I would be helping move around these stones and he showed me how to lift these rocks. And then I saw on TV these guys basically competing in heavy farm work. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I could do that. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, like ever since I was nine years old, I, it's, I've made it my mission to become the world's strongest man. That's pretty awesome. So who was it that you saw on the uh, world's strongest man? That, that oh, you- that's a good question. You know, no one's ever asked me that. Two, yeah. two people that really stuck out to me that uh, inspired me. Uh, Marush Budzinovsky, who's a legend in the sport, is probably one of the first strongmen that I saw. And I was like, holy crud, I want to be like that guy. Another one was Ode Haugen, who actually wow. eventually became my coach. He's currently my coach. Um, but I saw him on TV, and just he was in his mid-50s, still competing in the top 10 in the world. So I thought, oh, my gosh, this guy has longevity. He's a brute. So I want to be just like that as well, like to be strong for the long run, not just to be the strong and then be over with it. I really want to be strong as long as possible in life. And I think Ode inspired me and made me realize it's possible. That's really cool. That's really cool. So one of the things about you, you know, we've seen some like, obviously we had Brian on the team for a long time. These guys are, Brian is humongous, you know, he's 450 pounds. And while you're way, way, way bigger than me, you're not Brian Shaw in terms of size, but somehow some, and and that's okay. A tiny one out there, you guys, these guys (laughs) are monsters. So that's, that's what I'm at. That's the, my curious thing. So, how much does the size play a role? Obviously, not that much if you're able to beat these guys who outweigh you by 70 pounds. Or something. I mean, yeah, you look at Rauno Heinle, a strongman from Estonia, or Rob Kearney, a world strongest gay from the East Coast in the USA. These guys are in the high 200s, like 275 to 290 pounds in there. And also Novakov as well, 290 pounds. They're competing at the top level as well and, and even beating Thor and uh, Thor and Shaw in certain events. So size is, of course, important. Uh, the way I like to explain it is uh, a bigger muscle has, can, has more potential to be stronger, but it does not mean it's a bigger muscle stronger. The mind-body connection is incredibly important. How uh, fast your signals travel from your mind to your muscles, how efficiently your body moves, and how well you've mastered your own body's leverages all play a big factor into your total outcome strength. I, I notice in watching your stories and stuff, a lot of you do uh, something I haven't seen that much is flexibility training. You're a very flexible yes. guy for your size. Very much so. Because I, I don't think statically I am the strongest, uh, but I'm able to put myself in good positions and I'm comfortable in those positions, which allows me a greater work output. That's really cool. So is that why you do uh, pistols and skinny jeans? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I like honestly. I, I I watched that video the other day, and it's like more flexible than you or I. Oh, way more flexible. Yeah, than me. there's no question. Yeah, it's, it's impressive just because again, a lot, a lot of times someone sees a bigger person, thinks okay, they're not they're just going to be strong. But yeah, to add that flexibility and athleticism to it, I'm sure it helps with with winning as well. Huge, hugely, and people really miss this aspect because uh, let's say you, you're doing an overhead press, you have tight lats and tight uh, pecs. If your lats are tight, that you're basically going to have to press against your own strength and own tension. Hmm. So if your antagonists are tight, it's going to make that movement much tougher. Makes sense. So before we let you go, first off, we have to have you back for a full interview in the future. You know, uh, you have a lot of things to contribute, a lot of things to say. But I wanted to ask you, I know you're in uh, Santa Monica or you're in uh, Southern California somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm uh, just currently just recently moved to Santa Monica. I'm loving it. Before this, I was in the Ventura Valley, much closer to the training hall. But now we're um, we're looking to open up a new gym out here in Santa Monica as well. Bring strongman to the coast. That's what uh, that's what you had mentioned. So, and that would be the first strongman gym in Southern California, right? The first big one. Uh, well, there's the training hall, which is a strongman gym, and also East Coast West Coast. So there are a couple of strongman gyms. But uh, I want to bring it back to Muscle Beach. That's that's my goal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I know Arnold is a huge, huge fan of Strongman. You know, seeing, getting to talk to him, that seems like he's almost a bigger fan of Strongman than he is bodybuilding these days. Yeah, and I've, I've had multiple discussions with him. He's really fallen in love with the sport. He wants to support the sport and see it grow. Um, and I, I'm really hoping to work alongside with him to help him with his, uh, putting on competitions in the area. We'll see where that goes. Um, but he's he's been very supportive of us. Well, Martins, you have something? Here? No, Martins. Thank you so much for coming on with us. We will absolutely have you back in the very near future for a full interview. I have a lot of questions. I know Eric has a lot of questions for you, and I'm sure the the listeners and viewers have a lot of questions. So thank you very much for coming on, introducing yourself, and being part of Team Redcon One. We couldn't be any more proud and pleased to have you on board. Thank you for having me, guys. Martins. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go to commercial break and we'll be right back with the panel. We're starting this weekend off with a bang. 40% off everything this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The entire website is 40% off. Shot supply won't last long, so shop your favorite supplements from MRE, Total War, Big Noise, and more. It's also your last chance to grab some fresh apparel and swag from our last collection. No code required. You better hurry. Shop and save at redcon1.com. First and foremost, I want to thank uh, Lieutenant Michael Murphy for the millions of people that he continues to inspire today. And the only thing that we wish is that you were here sweating with us today. Thanks for your sacrifice, bro. One, two, three, four. My name is Ben Galloway. And I'm Matt Saracino. We are the Tier Operator Management Team, 
and we invite you to join the Redcon One family. I joined the tier operator program because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Being a tier operator is phenomenal. You want to keep tearing up. You want to work for, yes, the best company in the fitness industry. Redcon One helped me reach my goal, which at the time I didn't even know was a goal. The products work. Like that's, I mean, it's what it is. And I want to help other people reach their fitness goals using these products. I love that it's like a big family. I really enjoy that we can get together at events like this. And it's like, even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's just like we all know each other like we're neighbors. We're not just out here trying to make sales. We're out here trying to change lives. Apply to be a tier operator today. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, just a quick announcement. The Murph, the Murph, you just saw the commercial at the end there. The Murph is coming to the Red Con One Gym. We are the host of the 15th annual Murph uh, Challenge, which is in basically, so Operation Red Wing, this was 15 years ago that that uh, that this happened, this tragedy and Special Forces history happened, and we're going to be celebrating it with the Murph and uh, Michael Murphy's family, a lot of cool people. Uh, Sam and Mikey. Uh, there's a lot of Navy SEALs. We have about 50 Navy SEALs who are coming in town, some A-list celebrities, and they're all going to be at the Red Con One Gym, which is pretty surreal, right? Yeah, it's going to be a huge event. I mean, it's great to be able to honor Michael Murphy yeah. in, in doing this. And, and all the other guys that died. Yeah, that. so to bring everybody together. I mean, that's the great thing about it, right, is to bring it together, raise money for charity for it, and then, you know, just get to you know, kind of extend our family at that time period as well. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tremendously big event. I had no idea. So when Mikey, uh, who was a, uh, a Navy SEAL with Michael Murphy and uh, and Sam, his wife, reached out and said, hey, we'd love to have it with you guys because the gym we were going to do it in Hollywood is closed indefinitely. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, great. Let's do it. 
but I didn't realize the depth of how big a deal it was. Last year, they had Chris Pratt and a bunch of other celebrities, uh, along with a, a long list of other people that you know they prefer us not to mention in terms of you know getting two people too hyped up for the whole event. Because um, there's a private event which we're doing in the beginning, and then it'll open up to the public. Any of the celebrities and stars and uh, seals that want to stay and talk, a lot of the seals are going to want to. I know Adam. Uh, our WWE champion, I'm sure he's going to be there along with a bunch of our people, blessing and a lot of a lot of our athletes that are going to be there. But there's some really big celebrities that will be there, and uh, our friend Tyler Merritt, who owns Nine Line Apparel, will be there, and, and a lot of other people. And uh, it's going to be a really really cool event. I had no idea how big a deal it's going to be, so it, I'm I'm flattered and uh, thrilled to have it. Yeah, no, I think it's probably going to end up being bigger than we're even can imagine it right now I, you know yeah it's overwhelmingly big yeah. so if uh, if you'd like to come be part of the murph the open murph for everybody else uh, will begin at noon i believe i think that's what it is noon at the red cow one gym will be closed before that but it'll be open at noon you'll get to meet a lot of people do the murph and contribute to a great cause so it's going to be super cool i can't wait for it um, but without further ado we have our first panel show so today we have uh three great guests very different well, they do have some similarities. So number one is Colin Wayne, the founder and CEO of Redline Seal. Colin is a high school dropout, a military, like me, a military combat veteran, not like me, and has built a multi-multi-million dollar industrial manufacturing business in the last four years, sort of like me, right? Uh, and we've become friends over the last, a uh, little longer than four years, maybe what, Colin, like seven, eight years, something like that? Yeah, almost a decade, man. And decade. like we started... When you started Red Redcon, I started Redline that same year. Very, very Redcon, Redline all at the same time, right? It's crazy. Right. Unplanned, very close. But yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Very expensive growth on both. Yes, and we both had those same huge leaps of growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've stayed in touch along the way. Uh, Colin is a lot like me in the fact that he loves digital marketing. He loves building demand. He's a student of the game. And it's not just about his business. He's in general. So even if it doesn't help necessarily his business, he still loves to learn and loves to take that, figure out how to apply that to his business and help other entrepreneurs to build their business, which is very similar. So we always have a lot of stuff to talk about. And it's a pleasure to have you on the show, buddy. Dude, it's an honor, man. I know uh, coming down, seeing Redcon, y'all's new facility, absolutely amazing. Uh, walking around and just kind of seeing where you've transformed over the years. You know, when you started Redcon, you know, we've been connecting way before you even had the company and to see the evolution and then to walk with, you know, Eric around the shop. And he was telling me about your your plan and the product and like what's to come. Like I can see it. I can see the vision that you're painting. And I know it's going to be so much bigger than what you can even convey at this point. So it's so cool to like see the transformation that's taken place over the past couple of years. And especially like behind the scenes, because you know, we've communicated so many times, uh, whether that's with my business and the growth pains and challenges. I know with you working out of like nine different facilities and manufacturing, uh, I'm sorry, in, uh, in, in distribution centers, yeah. Yeah. Growth, now that you're finally into one hub and you can have that mass distribution play has been incredible. You know, there's, so, there's, there's a lot of differences with what you do and what we do at Redline Steel. But um, it's so cool that there's commonalities that also inlay with that. And that also goes to just show entrepreneurship in general, even if it's towards different demographics, towards different genres in general, um, there's so many commonalities that go along with it. So it's neat. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's been a pleasure uh, keeping up with you, Colin, and being friends and having a friend that's rooting for the success of uh, Redcon Wine and me. Because as you know, as you get more and more successful, it becomes it often alienates you to old friends, which it's nice to have an uh, a old friend who is still rooting for me. And uh, same for you, obviously. I know you know that. Day one, bro. And, and, and like, honest to God, like, dude, Redcon. So I'm not sponsored by Redcon. I'm not endorsed. They don't pay me to say shit. Like, this is like me and Aaron go back. And more than that, like, it's a product that I swear to God take every single day. I'm fortunate enough to have a gym at my warehouse. And um, it's just became like friends helping friends at the end of the day. And I think there's a takeaway, guys, for everybody that's watching right now. Like the takeaway is value first. And when you pr provide value without the expectation of something in return, there's so much more that can come from that. And just operating from a place of integrity in general. Yes, I agree, Colin. So without further ado, I want to introduce my close friend, Sean Rosario. Sean is a 14-year Navy SEAL veteran, a member of SEAL Team 6. And now Sean leads quite a few uh, successful businesses himself in the HRT space, hormone replacement therapy. And uh, one close to our heart here at Redcon One, we've donated $60,000 so far to, so far meaning there'll be more, Sean, uh, to the Warrior Health Foundation. You see Sean wearing the shirt right here. And uh, Sean has been focusing on giving back. So we talked about, he talked just a moment ago, Colin, about what does it mean to give back and how important it is. Sean gives back to his community on a daily basis by providing hormone replacement therapy uh, and uh, balancing vitamins, minerals, and hormones for his community of tier one operators and, and special forces guys. And so at NOAA, uh, it's a nonprofit organization where he takes, actually, Sean, you tell him. Yeah, you tell, you tell him. I, I always do the sales pitch. Let's see where you're, you're doing. You're doing such a great job. I usually do pretty damn good, honestly, but. No, uh, listen, first and foremost, it's, it's an honor and it's humbling to be, uh, you know, in the presence of you guys. Uh, you've, you know, everyone on this on this panel in some way, shape, or form, even though I haven't met them, uh, I've seen the interaction between uh, you guys, and uh, it's very impressive. It's uh, it's just motivating. So, uh, yeah, Warrior Health, Warrior Health Foundation, we're two years old now, uh, going on our third year. Uh, we're growing in headcount, but the objective was to help uh, my community, the Special Operations Forces community, whether it be Army, Special Forces, Rangers, SEALs, Pararescue, Marine Raider, Recon, uh, to understand first and foremost that there is an issue. Uh, the issue uh, centers around the endocrine function of the body after repeated concussive blast waves, uh, repeated uh, combat deployments uh, overseas, Iraq, Afghanistan, whatever country you want to throw at it. But at the end of the day, they have severe damage to their pituitary which uh, causes a growth hormone deficiency, which knocks out the hormonal balance, which causes things like irritability, decreased cognitive function, uh, sleep cycle interruption. Uh, all these things lead to opioid dependency, alcohol dependency. And at the end of the day, we want to prevent veteran suicide. Uh, but being able to focus on our community, our special operations community, gives me a big, uh, it, it's, it's really gratifying to be able to give back to the community that was so good to me, uh, the community that I grew up in during my time in the military and taught me all the lessons, the leadership lessons that I, that I use today uh, in business. Uh, 
besides, uh, you know, conversing and, and looking for great ideas uh, from you guys. <laughs> so Sean won't toot his own horn too much, but he is, uh, he has multiple uh, awards uh, for silver, I'm mean, sorry, uh, bronze stars for combat valor. He's done many, 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 how many tours of combat duty did you do, Sean? Uh, so I did uh, four uh, combat deployments, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, and um, it, uh, it's very, it's very eye-opening to be able to go to these countries and sometimes see the, uh, you know, the worst in man and then again see the best in man. When I say the best in man, I'm talking about the brothers to my left and my right who at any time would do anything for me and I would do the same for them. And uh, Sean, Sean also uh, was there in a time of one of the highest uh, combat tempos, um, operational tempos uh, during the war. So Sean saw lots and lots of action and saw lots and lots of bad guys, well, dead bad guys and, uh, and good guys along the way. Next on our list is my very, very, very close friend, Carl Lenore. So without Carl Lenore, there would be no Aaron Singerman. We wouldn't be talking right here today. And uh, I would be, uh, who knows what I'd be uh, if it wasn't for Carl. So uh, Carl and I became friends. Carl, when did we become friends? Uh, 2008. 2008. So in 2008. Uh, I, I, had just, I had just moved back from Phoenix and I was living back in Louisville when you reached out to me for the show. Yes. So Carl has a show and still has a show called Superhuman Radio, which is the number one show in the world for health and fitness the longest lasting and number one if you want to find out about how to you know live a better longer life if you want to find out about performance enhancement you go and see superhuman radio you listen to the show you're going to be very well educated come out better for it so when uh carl and i'll tell the quickly told story carl it's not the best most positive story but you did defend it so um i uh i didn't know what to do i was trying to figure out a way to break into the sports supplement field to get into bodybuilding. And what I did is I listened to every single podcast related to fitness and bodybuilding. I read every single book. I sent in articles to every magazine for free. And so all day long on my time that I didn't have a job, maybe about, I don't know, maybe 10 hours a day, uh, other than the maybe four or five hours that I'd sleep, I would write articles. I would send emails. I would listen to podcasts and I'd figure out, try to say, how am I going to get in here to make money enough to pay bills? And I would do it all day long. And I did it for about 18 months before finally. Carl was the first one to write me back. And, and I have friends now, Carl, that you know, like Dan Solomon and Bob Ciccarello and a lot of people that I wrote who just ignored me for years. <laughs> right. And, and, I, and I emailed Carl and he ignored me for a while too. But when I, I, I criticized- No, I didn't, I didn't ignore you. I, I, I was, you know, I was on the move, but I emailed you back. Well, you, only for the you, were good. You, sent me, you sent me a second email. That's right. You sent me a second email. I think, Carl, I may have sent you four or five before I got to this well, one. Of was, one of them was uh, something about one of the sponsors. You said that it was, uh, was bullshit. Well, that's the one that got your attention. That's the <laughs> yeah. one that got your attention. So Carl, yeah. Carl has had all these sponsors, and he had one called Can't See Eye Drops. And they can right. try to me now because we'll, we'll crush them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at, at that point, I decided I saw Can't See Eye Drops, and I said, this is bullshit. Carl is a legit dude. Everything he says is totally backed by science. And I thought he said, I'm using these eye drops. And I can see better than ever. I don't need glasses anymore. I still use them. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know there's no sponsor. Uh, so I, uh, I was like, you know what, this thing, I don't believe. So I, what, my, my method to reach out to everybody was to say complimentary things, right? 
was the yeah, first I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be complimentary and they're going to like me. So I decided to hit Carl up with a, an insult and say, man, I thought more of you. That you're, you're, turns out you're a shill. You're just doing whatever for these guys' money. And that's what got Carl to say, call me on the phone. And that was the opportunity that led to all of us. Yeah. Right? And we ended up, and, and I thought you had to, I told you, I said, you have a great voice for podcasting. And at that time, um, uh, Dave Palumbo broke away from muscular development, had started uh, uh, RX Muscle. And we said, hey, we want to produce a podcast for your show, for your, for your website. Well, Carl, if you don't, you may not even remember this because it was a big moment for me, but we started originally working for Dave at, or putting it on uh, muscular development. For muscular development right. And right. then when we broke off uh, from uh, muscular development, we went to RX Muscle with Dave. And it was the most popular podcast in bodybuilding period for a year that we did it. It may, honestly, Carl, it may be in the most popular podcast in bodybuilding history. Because we had, if you remember, we had, so this is, Carl and I did a podcast that was a live TV. I mean, sorry, live radio. So people could, live comment, radio. Yeah, could comment and we could interact with them live. This is way before right now where everybody's doing it. And we would have thousands of people on commenting, interacting with each other, not even us sometimes joking about the show. And so to have a few thousand live people listening to our show at one point in time, that was extremely unique at the time. And, and we, we, the show was basically Howard Stern meets bodybuilding. Yes. It was vulgar. It yeah. was different. Nobody was doing what we were doing. No. And, and they even tried to. Um, uh, what's his name from Muscular Development? They tried to copy our format. They couldn't do it. Never. Never. We interviewed Dominatrix, Ronnie Coleman, um, uh, Milos Sarsev about insulin, where I snored and fell asleep because uh, I was on pain medicine for my for my wisdom teeth. Right. Uh, we interviewed uh, a lot of very weird people. We had gay, uh, a gay prostitute who became a friend of the show. Right. Uh, along with many, many other weird people. And uh, it was the, the kind of the dark side of the bodybuilding industry. And uh, and we even we interviewed my girlfriend cheated on me. And then we interviewed her uh, after she <laughs> cheated on me. We got her on the show. Right. So so we, we, oh we, we had, first we did a show about her cheating on Aaron. Yeah. And she was a very little girl. I'm not going to say her name. She was a very little girl. And so I played the music from The Wizard of Oz. We we are the, the, the lollipop guild. Yeah. She was little. I was implying that she was a midget. She got mad. And so Aaron said to her, well, you come on the show and you tell your side of the story. And so we had her on the show, too, and we interviewed her. It was, it was very good radio. Very, very good. Very good radio. Very good radio. Okay, Carl, I'm going to bring everybody on the show together. That's enough of the intros. I can say a lot about everybody. So uh, let's get everybody on the show because I have my first question already ready from, uh, from before. And we were talking about the uh, the founder of CrossFit and his position and what he's tweeted about uh, about CrossFit. And what I'd like to ask you guys, because each one of you is a business owner, a small business owner. Today is a weird day in the world of business, weird, weird day in the world of world period. And it's very difficult um, to differentiate politics, social media, you know, opinion and everything else. So as a small business owner, uh, and it's been difficult for me also. I don't want to put politics in the, the front, in the foresight of my business because it's divisive. People are very, very divided. The world and the country is extremely divided. So my question is, obviously what, what uh, the guy said, what Glassman said about CrossFit is wrong. He shouldn't have tweeted some nonsense about Floyd 19. That was stupid. And now he got the repercussions of saying something random that was stupid. He didn't even have a point. Uh, but my question is, in business, at what point do you decide 
to in integrate politics or is it never an appropriate time to integrate politics? Colin, you're, you're up first, buddy. So, you know, we, um, we got invited to the White House for Made in America Week and it was an incredible experience. And we actually um, had a ton of positive, right? It's, it's, but it's a loud 5% that makes it so much worse for everything. So um, my involvement with politics is I try to stay remainly neutral. What I would say is my avatar is predominantly women, 35, 65 plus Christian conservative. And so knowing what I stand for, I'm proud to back whatever it is that I believe in. Um, so when we talk about law enforcement, right, right now, uh, politically, uh, they are being attacked, which I think is absolute bullshit. I think 99.9% .9 are incredible human beings. Uh, but just like that, 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 that happened with uh, me going to the White House back in July of last year, I got a ton of negative feedback, but majority of it was positive feedback. So, uh, yeah, I got a selfie with Trump and that was incredible. Was, but here's the thing. This is exactly what I tell everybody is that I would have went if Hillary Clinton was there. I would have took a selfie with her. I would have went if Bernie Sanders was there as well. Like as a business owner, it is a fucking privilege to be able to go on that platform and to get recognized by what would be known as the largest administration in the world. Whether you like him or not, take politics out of it. You're acknowledged as a business owner by the largest administration in the world. That means something. And so, you know, you know, there's a lot of naive people that say, oh, you side with Trump because you got a selfie with him. Doesn't mean I believe with everything that, that, that that's going on with him. Doesn't mean that I like love everything that he's doing. I think he's done an incredible job personally. Uh, for the economic state, but I do think he's a liability when it comes to uh, how he voices himself, and that is a direct reflection upon us as America. You know, speaking as a veteran, I think, and I know, you know, we got a Navy SEAL on here, right? I'd love to hear his opinion on this, but my thoughts are it is like a liability from a national security standpoint that we are talking shit about so many other uh, countries that we've worked on establishing a great relationship and rapport with. I think from an economic standpoint, there's nobody better in this country than him being in place right now. People are scared of it. Um, there's a lot of people with other agendas. But for me and my business, you know, I try to remain, for the most part, remotely neutral. I think there's things that we all can contest that he's done an incredible job with. And there's some things you scratch your head and you're like, well, shit, I wouldn't have said that. But man, he's got some balls. And um, I respect somebody that voices their opinion, doesn't think twice about it. Um, that's just, that, that's my perspective on it. I think that there's a lot of naive people that um, just like to rally behind. And they, they, there's no, there's not like the overall perception of your company was invited to this and you're the only one selected in the entire state. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's something to be proud of, and I, and I am proud of that. I would have went no matter who was in office. You so, know, being a veteran, commander-in-chief, invites you somewhere, you show up. Well, you made a good point, Colin, the fact that the, it doesn't matter if you like who's in office, that the the actual commander-in-chief, the office in, in itself demands respect. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know that um, not all the people, servicemen and women out there, uh, may love uh, their past people they served under. And uh, Sean, I don't know 
I, th- I believe you served under some people maybe you didn't love. Sean is a SEAL Team 6 operator before he became an entrepreneur. Sean, what are your, what are your feelings? Do you involve or do you allow uh, politics to enter your business? Do you talk about it at all? No, not really. Uh, you know, for me, the, the deal with work in the office place, no matter what office it is, uh, whether it's our for-profit business, which is in the uh, aesthetics, anti-aging business, whether it's in the nonprofit for warrior health, uh, or the defense uh, business that we have a partnership or with CBD fit. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to bring politics into it because we got to focus on the mission. What's the mission? The mission is, uh, you know, driving revenue, making sales and making sure that people have jobs and making sure that this company grows on a whole. Uh, if, you know, if you allow politics to become divisive in the office place, that just spreads like a virus. And before you know it, you're going to have to cut it out like a cancer. And you're probably going to cut out, you know, something that would maybe productive to your to your company. So I don't think it's a, a smart idea, uh, you know, letting it in uh, to create havoc at the end of the day. Uh, I agree with what Colin said. It doesn't matter who is in office. The commander in chief is the commander in chief. You respect the office of the commander in chief. Had it been Obama that uh, called me to go to the White House, I'd be there in a second because I respect the office of the president, uh, just like I respect the office of the president today, whether it be Trump. Uh, and if he wins again, I think, uh, I think it'd be a good thing because I think on the economic side, like Colin said, it's going to be good for America. Uh, there's nobody better suited right now. I think on the, uh, you know, as far as any candidate that I see, whether it between, you know, Biden and Trump, uh, I don't think uh, there's anybody better suited than, than president Trump is right now. So, uh, Sean, I, uh, I understand where you're coming from with that. And obviously one of the things that we always struggle with on our end is like, you don't want to, so if it's 50, 50 out there, right. Uh, you would never in a million years want to uh, take 50% of your, your viewers or your, your consumers and make them feel like they're not part of, or part of Redcom one or part of your business for warrior health. Because the truth is we need all the help we can get. And really we're not politicizing anything, but it is still a tough decision. And as a media person, you know, it's a much different story when you're Carl Noor, when you're putting out media and that is your brand. And if people don't like the media you're saying, hell, they may listen to you even more. So, Carl, what do you think, man? So, I, I, inevitably, I have to talk about politics um, because I talk about food policy. Uh, one of the topics on the show is food policy and how the government intervenes and uh, gets in the way of uh, certain medical procedures and or quality of food that we're all heard and how they uh, how they uh, poison the food, really. I, 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 that's a strong word, but it's true. I mean, look, I like Pompeo right now, right? I think he's doing a great job, but when he was running oversight over companies like Monsanto, I, I, I had to call him out about stuff. So for me, it's not so much politics as the job that a person is doing at the time, and, and really what political party they're in isn't important to me. But with that being said, I don't, I don't inject politics, my own personal politics, into the show. Uh, I, I stick with the job and the, and the player and the, and the job that they're doing. And, and if it's Republican or if it's a Democrat, I call them out on Personally, I love Trump. I grew up in New York. Uh, I understand his, his, his style, his mannerism. I knew who his father was when he was building the public buildings on Queens Boulevard. I watched Trump from a young man 
coming to New York and get shit done. And that's what he does. He gets shit done. And people don't like that. You know, the, the, the home of Rink, it took the, the mayor of New York City, you know, four years to do nothing. And he put billions of dollars and Trump put in there and the job was done like in, in a couple months and under budget. So that's the kind of guy I want running my country because the country's a business. You can't spend more than you make. And so I, I'll vote for him again. I, I think the guy did a great job. And so if he said something that is insulting once in a while, we, we've had people in office that are outright crooks and thieves. I'd rather take a guy who says something stupid than a guy who's polished all the time and he's, he's stabbing people in the back personally. That's just me. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's go to the next thing that, that has been on the topic, on the mind of America and in the mind of a lot of people lately is, uh, is the whole movement of defund the police. So I don't, I honestly, so, so it's a weird situation in one, one aspect, you know, we have a lot of uh, black people here. Uh, Ray who runs a video department, his whole video team, many, many people in the office. And I want to know, want to let those people know that we support them, right? Very important. You know, I want to support them as much as we can and show our business is supportive of, of every type of person, right? And uh, I, as I said before, we don't think, I don't think of one type of person as a type of person. I just see everybody the same and I see their effort and their work and the quality of their work as, as the same. And uh, well, the work may be different, but the person is the same, the internal person. And I really view people in that aspect, right? That's what's important to me. Who the person is, the quality of their character, right? Um, that's what's important to me. And I don't think about the rest of it. And this has focused a lot of people on the rest of it. So my question is, is it a good idea to take away funding and remove the police department from local areas here in South Florida and the rest of the world? Uh, Colin, Alabama, you're in Alabama. Would you think it'd be a better idea to have no police in Alabama? Man, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> oh my god! No, that's the no. I can't imagine. Like, we're gonna revert back to like Stone Age and like try to like go backwards in times to make that happen. Like, it, there's no logic behind it, and absolute chaos would happen. Um, it, it it won't happen for one. I don't believe that it will. Um, well, Colin, we have, we have right? I know there's some cities that are have like try to pass legislative and the pass city council. I have to stop you for one second, Colin. We we can both agree that there are bad police officers, right? Sure, we are, right. and there are also very very great police officers who are doing everything for the right reason. And that's where I, I it's hard for me because I've met and know so many good police officers. They come to our gym. We got thirty of them at the gym, and they're all fantastic. And are are, are don't know. How to handle the fact that somebody was such a, you know, piece of shit in California? I mean, in uh, in, in Washington, uh, Minneapolis. Sorry, Minneapolis. They're they're such a piece of shit, but they're they're piece of shit police officers everywhere. But if that's one tenth of one percent, you can't paint every police officer with the same brush. Just like you can't paint every uh, white person or X uh, Y Z. You can't say they're all this way. You know, there's generalizations you can make about every uh, yeah. race and you know. Religion, you can see. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like because defunding the police is the tail wagging the dog because you have some bad, bad people. Like anything, there's bad business people, there's good business people, and you know because there are some. You, know, you get someone that gets a position of power. If they're corrupt, they're corrupt. 
you know what I mean? And they get in that job and then they meet, when I say corrupt, I mean just corrupting character. Yeah, bad um, people. Right. So, but so people become police for the worst reasons. You know? They do because they, they want to be on, they want to have the law on their side to do bad stuff. But I think the majority of people I've ever met, no matter what their background is, they become a police officer because they have this sense of right and wrong and they want to uphold it. And if you defund or lower the, the so you think what well, I think the biggest thing that people don't consider is defunding. If anything, you should increase funds so they can pay more to get a higher quality police officer. Yeah. That's the big thing. You're going to give, you're going to give less money to a person that's already getting paid very little. And now you're yeah. getting lower quality people because they're going, Oh, well, I only get paid 30 grand a year. May as well fucking beat people up because that's what I like to do. Right. If you pay them yeah. 60, you can start getting rid of all the pieces of shit along the way. Yeah. That's who you're attracting at the end of the day. Like, look, you, so I was, I always wanted to be in law enforcement. Swear to God, like I always wanted to be, that's why I joined as a military police officer at 17 years old. I wasn't eligible to be in law enforcement. I needed to be 21 years old. So I got a kick start so that by the time I could send off resumes, I was old enough and I had experience to put on my resume that would offset me from everyone else. When you think about what police officers, and this is what like generally people, the logic, they don't understand what they have to go through, right? They're not making a lot of money as it is. So to defund them, in addition that they're already paid not enough as it is as a police officer to do the duties that's necessary is illogical. Um, now you're going to attract people like that is why not just go and say, hey, uh, anybody that's got you want minimum wage, come, come work over here. You're going to attract that same type of thing. Um, like they're not paid enough as it is. And it's just it's. I guess I'm disgruntled that it would get to this level because uh, there's so many solid people. And just like you said, man, it's profiling an entire demographic, its entire uh, job category based on a select few. And, you know, when you when you see like videos of people and this is this is a little frustrating for me when I see videos of people that are, you know, they don't want to give their license to somebody. Maybe that's their right. I don't I don't know. This is the this is my my feedback with that. A lot of these videos, these officers have been extremely patient to a disrespectful person that if it was that simple to just hand over your fucking license at the end of the day, like that's all you got to do. Comply like these these law enforcement officers come in and they they wear their badge like honor, like they do that to be a public servant to other people. They want to serve. And there's so many solid people that they're getting a bad reputation on that one of one percent. But that's the same thing. That's that racial profiling, in essence, that's going on in America today. That's saying that if there's a problem, we're outlining everybody is that problem. And that's not the case. Right. And it's it, it's not fair. And it's it's actually the exact opposite that we are uh profiling law enforcement and putting them into their own category. And, you know, with the media and the way social media is today, it's, um, it's, it's gaining a lot of traction in a negative way. And somebody that wanted to be in law enforcement, seeing the way that things are going right now, it's disheartening to say the least. So let's go to Carl and Noor next. Carl, what's your opinion? Hopefully, on hopefully I got a better microphone. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, first of all, the fact that we're talking about this makes me really see how strong the mainstream media is because we're talking about a stupid idea. But like, like I wish tomorrow every police officer in New York, 
in Minneapolis, in all these different states and cities that are chanting defund the police. I wish every cop would call in sick for the next five days because you'll see how quickly they'll be pissed off that there's no cops. If you, if you defund the police, first of all, you're right. Pay them more, demand more, increase the caliber of employee. You're spot on, but that's because you're a critical thinker. Politicians aren't critical thinkers. They look, they're riding a wave of, of emotion from, from the, the, the people that vote them. But the reality is that if the cops didn't show up, you know who's gonna get hurt? The black lives that matter. The black lives that matter in Chicago that are calling the cops all day long to ask for help and no one will be there. Some social worker is going to be there and say, okay, well, well, we'll stay on the phone with you while you get shot. I mean, it's a silly premise. We shouldn't even be talking about it, but unfortunately we are. It's silly. We can't defund the police. We have to, we have to do what you said. We have to increase the quality of the police officer. You're always going to have bad apples. You got bad apples that are gynecologists. You got bad apples that are candlestick makers. I mean, you can't blame the whole industry because of a couple bad apples. Yeah. And it's a silly discussion. It's a silly. I think, Carl, I think I think we can all agree that whether you like uh, you lean to the left or the right, the generalization of a people is not okay, right? And I think that's one thing that everybody can agree with. I'm yeah. Jewish. You know, people use as a uh, as a I don't know a generalization about Jewish people. They're cheap, right? But that's not always the case. Yeah, they're right. Jew cheap Jewish people. It's true. But most Jewish people aren't. You I'm can't more cheap say than you are. Yeah, you're way cheaper than me, <laughs> and I'm Jewish, and he's not. So you know, you can make those generalizations about every type of person, and some of it is true to some degree, right? There are bad cops. There are cops that will beat people up because they want to be bullies, because they wanted to be before. But all the cops that I know personally, like Manny, yep. you know, like a long list yeah. Andy at the yeah. gym, yeah, at the gym. These guys are doing it as a service. They don't. They could be doing other things to make more money, but they're doing this because they feel like it's the right, that's their calling, right? There are plenty of bad cops and there's also cheap Jews. And there's also every other kind of thing, generalization you can imagine, because there's always some sliver of a little tiny bit of truth in anything. And so that's just life as we live it. Now, how do we get past it? That's really the question, Sean. What's the, what's, what's your opinion? Well, uh, I'll tell you that a lawless uh, country is not the answer. What's Sean knows human nature better than most of us. Sean, are, are humans, if with no laws, are they going to be better or worse? No, I think you're going to see it degrade into uh, chaos. I think you would see uh, more of a people go into defense mode. And, uh, you know, there's over 150 million, uh, you know, uh, weapons owners in this country, in this free country that we have with Second Amendment right. Um, you know, and they would be used probably in, in lawful purposes and legal purposes of self-defense, because when you have uh, lawlessness and you have all the people that uh, illegally own guns coming out and try and impose their will on a law-abiding citizen or community, uh, you'll see, that's when you'll see uh, real hell on earth start getting unleashed because we, you know, we don't play that. And, uh, you try coming in my neighborhood, uh, you better bring a freaking army because you're all going down. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I wouldn't suggest they come to your neighborhood, Sean. I would not suggest that at all. So social media, it is now uh, something that has built brands. Uh, social media has built brands like Red Kind One and also 
of course, Redline Steel. And social media has played a very big role on, uh, on how to build a business in the 21st century. How big a deal for all your guys' brand do you believe it is for consumer trust and building belief in brands? Uh, let's go to let's go to Sean. Let's do right back to Sean, and we're going to Carl next. Yeah, you know, social media was something that I never really got into, was never really involved into until about a year and a half ago. Um, and I've got to got to say, you were probably the biggest driving force behind me opening up into social media uh, because of the the power and the and the reach that it has. Uh, coming from a life of special operations in the military, you know, you, you certainly don't want to put uh, all that out. You practice operational security for, for so many years uh, on so many levels, whether it be in conversation on on the computer or, you know, just with your in your family or your friends and the circle that you keep. Uh, you're practicing operational security. You don't necessarily want to put everything out on social media for millions of people to see. That being said, uh, you know, it was a conversation with yourself that that really opened my eyes. And uh, you said, listen, you got to you got to open up your your Instagram from private to public. Nobody's ever going to see you. Nobody's ever going to uh, really get to know what you're about. Um, and if you want to try and build a brand and business based off of that, uh, people have to be able to approach you. You have to be able to be reached. And so I did notice a huge difference uh, once I did that. And, uh, you know, it keeps growing every day. Um, you know, I take lessons from, you know, successful people, uh, much like everybody that's on this panel right now. And, you know, I try and, and replicate that, uh, put it uh, to good use, put it to, you know, to what my mission is in my businesses and see how we can spread that out. You know, in my for-profit business, when I walked into that position, uh, we didn't have any social media presence. And I, I, that's, you know, that, that just kind of blew my mind. So, you know, we started doing that, but my personal Instagram page is, is interesting to me. I've, you know, there's just some crazy people out there, but uh, they can take it in stride and, uh, you know, just keep pressing on with the mission. But, you know, digital media, pound for pound, that's the best thing out there these days. You know, if people try and do print ads, uh, you know, maybe it works for some people. Not that I've seen. You know, if you don't have digital media today, might as well back it up. So uh, for Sean, Sean mentioned uh, that uh, that I I gave him a, su a strong suggestion because I wanted to see him do well and and uh, succeed with his foundation, also his other business, which is the HRT business for for profit. And um, it's a very interesting dynamic uh, when you're a Navy SEAL. You're told that you're a silent warrior. You don't make money off the Trident, and uh, you're 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 you know basically undercover. And when Sean went anywhere in SEAL Team Six. He would come up with a story. Every all the guys come up with a story of if they're uh, what a cow wrangler or some other nonsense. <laughs> he tell all the chicks when he met them or the or the guys when he talked to them. He's like, "Yeah, hey, I'm a I'm just a cow wrangler. You know, I'm a, it's a bunch of cowboys here together, uh, or whatever whatever the story they would come up with as a group. And uh, and it's funny because it goes against the grain. But once you're out and you are a public person, you have to, in my opinion, and I told this to not just Sean but many 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 guys. Who were uh, in his special mission unit or other other units? He, listen, you're out. You have to take advantage. You have the biggest resume builder in, in the world. You can't keep it a secret and, and hope that somebody just sees the value in you. And Sean's been able to, I guess, over time. His first selfie video was very very awkward, but <laughs> he's gotten better and better, and uh, and he's built quite a following. And I think that the fact that 
he's done it and been there is very unique because most people just pretend they've done it and been there, especially in the tactical shooting world and in the world that he lived with and lived in. Uh, there's a lot of people who pretend but don't actually do. Uh, Carl, how about for you? Well, I mean, short and sweet. I think it depends on the message. If the company is legitimate, the products are legitimate, they have a good story to tell. I think it'd be great. I think that not everybody has good experiences on social media because not everybody has a good story to tell. Uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, questionable products out there too. It's like any other advertising medium, but it's very, very effective. And the reality is that I didn't really leverage it properly early on. Um, and only now am I I'm leveraging it to build my audience and it, it works very well because I, I, I have a lot of content, so I have a lot that I can put out there now. Yeah, Carl. Carl has the huge advantage of having uh, what Carl like two thousand twelve. Oh, Jesus, twenty over, over, over twenty five hundred interviews. I've uh, I've interviewed I don't know fifty five hundred guests. You know, I I've been doing it for fourteen years. It'll be fifteen years this November. I told Carl the other day. I'm like, Carl, you could just stop working all together and just repurpose your content and yep. uh, and become more popular than you are now and not do anything. Just have somebody edit, re-edit. And repost all the different clips you have because he's done literally. I want. I don't know the number, Carl, but I would imagine somewhere in, in the realm of ten thousand hours of radio. Yes. So yeah. we have ten thousand, and he's interviewed a lot of famous people way before they were really famous too, which is unique. So he's got all of these things. What does it say? Five hundred seventy million podcast downloads. So yeah. he can use that and repurpose that to create even more success. So yeah, Carl's Carl's been there and done that way before anybody else. Uh, Colin. So, um, yeah, we recently just hit a billion, uh, impressions across, uh, my platform. And I think one of the biggest thing that offsets me, you know, I have a non-commodity based business. So unlike Redcon, uh, you don't have to come back and buy a steel wall art decor piece every single month. So I can constantly reinvent it. I think one of the biggest things is humanizing your brand and be forward facing um, we constantly do live streams several times a week. I like to show people behind the scenes, like what has what is happening. And I love to get like focus groups of like, you know, this is what we're working towards. What are your examples of this? Do you guys, what do you want to see? And like listening to your audience and your avatar and implementing exactly what they want. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I want. What matters is what they want. And at the end, of, like, I want them to be happy. And so as long as we are constantly doing that, it's a constant balance. And they're ordering over and over and over and over again. Okay. So um, go so ahead, Eric. Carl, I'm going to send the next question to you because you're, you know, I've talked to you before. You're, you're a sharp guy. You're a science-based guy. Yeah, obviously, everything that's gone on with COVID, there's a lot of, information, maybe misinformation out there, conflicting science behind it. Um, do you think that there's going to be a second wave of the COVID now that everything's kind of reopening, gyms are reopening, businesses, as we roll all these different phases? Kind of what's your thought on there, uh, like a spike in a second wave? Oh, absolutely, there's going to be a second wave. There may even be a third wave. If we look back at the Spanish flu, uh, 1918, 1990, we, uh, 19. We know that there were literally three waves. The second wave was as bad as the first wave. The third wave wasn't that bad. So it was, um, it, we, we have a lot of historic data already to look at. Um, you know, 
this virus isn't as bad as the Spanish flu. So I think we will see additional waves. Um, this seems to be a very stable virus, so it doesn't look like it's going to mutate into something stronger. If anything, it looks like it's mutating into something weaker because the more recent cases, uh, we're not seeing the same symptomology that we saw early on. Uh, but yeah, I think there is going to be a second wave, but that's not a bad thing, to be honest with you. A lot of people will build immunity to it. Um, not everybody does. The reality is, what is it? The, the most recent CDC numbers are uh, 0.046. Like that's right in the realm of the seasonal flu with a vaccine. Keep, it, keep that in mind, like with the vaccine. If you didn't have the seasonal flu vaccine, that would be higher. So the, the, the reality is, yeah, we're going to see a second wave, but maybe a third. But there are things that people can do. Um, so number one, get loaded up on vitamin D. 25 hydroxy levels uh, influence a peptide called LL37. You know what? You and I actually talked about LL37 with the gut. Yep. Okay. So, 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 so high doses of vitamin D or laying in the sun a lot, get out to the beach club more often. Carl. Carl used to be a white dude. Now he's like, yeah, he's been in the sun all day, every day since we yeah. met. I, I'm a sun worshiper. I am. Because yes. I know how good it is for you. But um, the reality is that uh, 25 hydroxy levels have been shown to stop retroviruses from replicating. Retroviruses like HIV, SARS, MERS, vitamin D actually stops it from replicating. So if you come in contact with it, you don't get sick. And then if you do get it, Immediately get azithromycin. Azithromycin is a Z pack. Take one to two Z packs, you're, you're done. It's gone. It's gone because of the antiviral effects of the Z pack that are very, very uh, un- misunderstood by most doctors. I've done two shows about it. I keep two Z packs on hand just in case Elisa and I get it. Just take the Z pack. That's it. We're done. So, what do you think is of stronger impact, the uh, physical or the mental, emotional side of COVID? Which has more of a uh, negative impact on society. Oh, 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 we're gonna, the way we handle COVID is going to kill more people than the virus. Uh, so I talked about this on my show. There's an accepted number. Uh, every 1% that unemployment goes up, it equals 40,000 deaths directly from that unemployment status. So we just went from what, 3.5 to 20? So COVID's going to kill. COVID is going to kill. What? How many people did it kill so far? Hundred thousand people. Hundred ten. Okay. So we're going to lose anywhere from a half to three quarters of a million people over the next couple of years as a result of the financial devastation that the country is under right now. Nobody wants to talk about that. Listen, these are accepted numbers that everybody knows. No one, but no one's going to open their mouth. And say, Holy shit! We just killed a half a million to three million, uh, uh, three quarters of a million people. Saving, you know, maybe thirty thousand. So on that on that note, the financial impact. I'm gonna kick this over to you, Colin. Obviously, digital based business, um, kind of a non commodity based business. How has it impacted you? And you know, one of the things like Aaron and I look at all the time is the the market. The market is not really reacting. What well, did today? But well, finally today, today after a long today. period yeah. of time, but. Yeah. It really hasn't reacted the way you you would expect it to. No. So, how, one, how has it impacted you as a business, and two, kind of what's your thoughts on the the strange behavior of the market? 
Yeah, so I've um, had to pivot my entire business plan. You know, we we do a lot. I've spent over twelve million dollars in the last three years just on paid ads, and um, learned a lot throughout the process of everything. But had to pivot everything, and so we started to create a give back collection, and just it's kind of adapted and grown. We've we've you know we're only four years old as a business, same as uh, Redcon. I think y'all are just about to hit four years old, so we're a little bit older. And, um, you know, we've had the best year to date we've ever had as a business because we've been able to adapt and pivot very fast. And that operated from like creating product and giving it away for free um, and, you know, going into market shares of like nurses, uh, law enforcement, military, first responders, uh, even mail carriers looking at so many. It was li- like agriculture, right? You go into a grocery store. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, let's say a month ago, two months ago, and it was chaotic. It was crazy. Everywhere in the nation, I was hearing that stuff. And like, it wasn't just here in Alabama, like it was everywhere. And so my eyes were starting to open up of a place of giving. And so that really opened everything from, uh, I I always had like a a philanthropy and like, um, I wanted to give and this I guess with everything going on with COVID-19, we've been able to pivot our business model being that we're not a commodity based business. We don't have a subscription uh, platform right now. We are working on that, but um, we had to figure out a way to continue to stay alive, stay afloat. You know, we don't have um, we're 100 percent right now direct to consumer. And so it has been challenging. But, you know, with pivoting, we've been able to come out on top. And more than that, like, dude, in the month of April, we covered all of our employees' house payments. And I know I've heard Aaron talk about numerous times, like, look, he's losing money. He talked about it. Like, and I commend you 100%. I did the same thing, bro, in April. I didn't want to take a distribution because I said, look, I would rather reinvest that so that my employees have a peace of mind and I'll pay their, I'll pay their mortgage payments. I'll pay their apartment payments. Take that money. And as the grocery stores are going crazy, like either save the money, don't go spend it on stupid shit like beer and liquor and alcohol, but like save the money that you would have spent towards rent and put it in a savings account. Um, I, you know, obviously, I'm not forcing that shit. I'm just kind of playing the father figure like, hey, this is my recommendation. Um, and then I took it a step further. I said, you know, this was before any state shut down. I said, if the government puts us under mandatory lockdown, if you're hourly, I will, I will, ver- I will 100% ensure that your payment is still made. And so, just giving them that peace of mind, I think, is critical. And I know that that's exactly what your mission is at Redcon. You've mentioned it several times. That look, even though we're taking a loss right now, that's okay. I'm investing back into my business, back into my employees. They give so much. And I think there's so much of an alignment there that also like because it's conveyed and it's authentic with integrity that it is it is receptacle and people want to do even more because of that, even with the expectation that that's not going to come back around. Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing from this is obviously, you know, and that's our opinion is people are the most important, you know, important aspect of this. And we want to make sure that 
are, you know, again, we'll be okay, but we want to make sure our employees are okay, that they're maintaining their health, their mental health, their finances. Because, you know, Carl's point, your finances go, obviously the death rate increases due to other reasons. Um, you know, so for us, that's, that was always, you know, our employees are our biggest asset that we have on this brand. So we want to make sure that they were always taken care of first. And so on like the mental health side, Sean, like with, with COVID, you know, are you seeing, cause a lot of what you're dealing with is, you know, with the HRT portion for the warrior health foundation is mental health. Are you seeing kind of positive or negative trend with the, with, with this going on? Yeah. I, I can tell you that, um, you know, making sure that uh, for two, two reasons, let me back that up. You know, first for the profit side, for profit side, one for the nonprofit side. Um, and uh, I want to say that for the nonprofit side, uh, you know, when all this COVID stuff started hitting, you know, I had verbal commitments uh, for events that we're putting on for $450,000. And within two weeks, it was all gone. So that immediately put me into a state of, I need to immediately transform in order to stay afloat, A, make sure that uh, patients that are under the care of Warrior Health Foundation keep receiving their, their care uh, in the form of peptides, uh, hormones, vitamins. And uh, we were able to do that. Uh, it, was, uh, it was nothing, uh, it was nothing, you know, nothing that makes me uh, you know, happy to do, but hey, you had to do what you have to do. You know, I slashed my salary in order to ensure that patients had their care uh, delivered. Uh, and we even took a couple people on where, you know, we weren't taking maybe 20, 30 people on a month, but maybe I can take four or five a month and keep that, that, that train going forward uh, to ensure that people still get the help that they need. You know, on the for-profit side, uh, you know, much like uh, everything else, I think we saw a huge dip in the months of March and April um, on the revenue side for the anti-aging clinic, uh, most notably for the elective procedures, uh, for the women that were coming in for whether it be Botox, uh, Restylane, Juvederm, all the aesthetic fillers, now they can't come in because, uh, you know, people are on lockdown, you know, whether you could come in or not, you got a mask or whatever. Um, we did see a dip in the uh, nationwide uh, hormonal replacement therapy that we were providing. I'll put it this way. Today is the 11th of June, and we've already made uh, our revenue for the month of June to date, uh, just this month is more than the entire month of April that we had for the for-profit uh, aesthetics business in, and anti-aging. So, um, you know, it, it was a hit. We do what we have to do as business owners to ensure that our employees are taken care of, that our patients are taken care of. And, uh, you know, part of that was uh, finding out how to pivot digitally on the marketing side and, you uh, you know, we did that. Uh, we invested a little bit of money into how do we accurately deliver our, deliver our message versus trying to go out to the masses. We actually got it more narrowed and we're seeing better results uh, due to that. Uh, the better quality of leads that our people are actually interested in our service. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but I only see it getting better. Yeah. You know, and we're the same way, Sean. So for us, the Red Cohen Gym had... I mean, had the best month in history. Redcon One Gym. It's crazy to say, and, and probably not politically correct to say, but the, the coronavirus in, in, for the gym was like a huge 
positive um, because we uh, we were doing good. We were becoming profitable. And then we had t- two terrible, terrible months. We brought no money in at all. And uh, it was it was bad. But then when we brought everybody back and we brought the gym back online, a lot of the other bigger corporate gyms did it. And so people that had did day passes and saw how awesome the Red Cohen gym was in the beginning when all of our gyms were closed, once we reopened, other gyms didn't, they all came and, and we just signed up 300 or so members, right? Yeah, we signed up. Yeah, I think about 300. And been, it's been a huge, awesome thing. So it's funny how like that, obviously this has all been terrible for everybody and nobody would say they wish that they would have had this going on. But for us, you know, people got a chance to see the Red Cohen gym and, and find out how fantastic it was. Yeah, the big part too is, I think a lot of people came back because, you know, if that's part of your routine, we had a conversation with an employee today about just routine and, you know, a lot of times keeping yourself kind of on a path in life is the gym becomes like a center point. And, you know, a lot of times, whether you're dealing with maybe mental health, anything else, the gym can be just a focus point for you. I know it is for me. And you take that away from people that, that causes a lot of problems. So for us, yeah, there's the money side of it, but we always say we got Redcon to keep the yeah. gym afloat. It was more of giving people that outlet of, hey, listen, that like we built the gym because we wanted people to come together. Yeah. We wanted people to train. We want to be a bigger part of our community. And for us, we got very bullish of like, no, we're going to open this just because people need to get back to the gym. People yeah. need to get back to their routine. hundred percent. And for us, for Redcon, you know, Colin mentioned it, um, that Redcon was not in this past period. We didn't, we weren't thinking about profits. I wasn't thinking about making money for myself or making money. We were thinking about was keeping people employed. So we have 120 or so uh, employees here at Redcon One at the office. And the number one priority for us and for me was I didn't think about making money. I didn't think about being profitable. I thought about keeping those people employed. We have such an awesome team. We have such an incredible team. When people think of like, why is Redcon One number one? It's not because of me. It's not because of Eric. It's because of the all of everybody, the whole team together is so awesome that you couldn't lose one person. We, we've developed the team over a period of four years and found the right people, the best people for each individual job and created this almost like a, uh, a unique situation, uh, a synchronicity that couldn't be repeated. And I wouldn't want to lose anybody no matter what. I'd rather lose money for myself for sure um, than I would ever want to lose anybody. So it's been really a blessing to be able to keep every single person and uh, and not have to spend all my savings to keep people here. Uh, we've been able to stay afloat and, uh, and that's been a huge blessing in and of itself. So before we go to the live question and answer segment with myself and Eric, let me just make sure that everybody gets their last chance to say where they can find Carl Lenore at Superhuman Radio. Carl, where can they find you? Superhumanradio.net, superhumanradio.net and on Facebook, the Superhuman Radio Network Facebook page. Yes. Alan? So uh, at Colin Wayne one on Instagram, Twitter, um, and then Colin Wayne on Facebook, but they're all verified. There's a bunch of fake accounts. So just be conscious of that. So, or Redline steel at Redline steel on all platforms and I'll pop up. Awesome. Sean. Yeah. On Instagram at uh, Ronan underscore one nine six. And I just want to make sure before everybody lets him go, say happy birthday to Carl. Carl, Was it your birthday, Carl? I'm 62 years old tonight. Oh my God, I had no idea, Carl. I had no idea. <laughs> so me and Carl were on the radio when you turned 50, as funny as that yeah. is. Yeah. Did Aaron say happy birthday? Though? I might have, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for that, by the way. Okay. <laughs> for singing happy birthday, you're welcome. <laughs> no, don't do that, please. I try to forget that 
you know what? COVID took me down. I haven't trained really in about two months and a couple of weeks, and I feel horrible. I've lost a lot of muscle, and it's hard. Like I've been training for you know, even when I had surgeries, I tore a tricep or a hamstring. I trained whatever else I could still train, but I've literally be, been out of the gym for a bit about two months now. And I see what it feels like to be 60. I, I can't, I got to get back in the gym and start training again. Yeah. Horrible. Like when you were talking about Eric, my mental, like, I, I just don't feel good. I just don't like the way I feel. Yeah, because you go to the gym because that's part of your identity and that identity, piece of your identity is taken from you. I'm sure. Well, for me, for me, it's my medicine. It really is. You know, I'm 62 years old. I got a lot of injuries. Um, and and, and I, I get up in the morning and I, I walk like a caveman for the first half hour. When I go to the gym, I don't feel like training. But after I train, I, I leave the gym and I feel like King Kong. It's a wonderful feeling. And it's the best thing that the best thing I do for myself every day. So I am going to go to the gym tomorrow morning. <laughs> Good. All right, Carl. Thank you so much for having each one of you guys on. Carl, Sean, and Colin. And uh, Carl, all you guys, we're going to have back on in the future. This is our very first panel discussion, and we're going to have a lot more in the future. This was kind of a, a triggering one, I suppose. <laughs> you know, it was one that's really on the edge. But we have a lot of subjects we'd love to talk to you guys about in the future. That's maybe a little less triggering, and maybe a more uh, topical in terms of what you guys are doing for your businesses, things that are working, and and also general advice. I mean, uh, each one of you guys has a lot to contribute to uh, to a conversation, whether it's about business improvement success or uh or you know lessons learned in combat you got two down here who, who know about that so so uh until next time thank you guys so much for being thank on you all. and, and thank we'll you. Be back very soon thank you for giving you thursday night with us man. happy birthday thank carl you. bye guys happy birthday i didn't even know it was carl's birthday bye colin i didn't even know hard i need to jeez i didn't buy my present i had no idea so um before we get going and we end the show we want to do the question and answer segment. And we didn't get a chance to really do it fully last time. And I had a few people reach out and say, so is the show live or is it taped? A few people asked that. Even, really? even Rob Wilkins was like, so is the show live or taped? I'm like, no, no, no. That just went it's, long. I'm like, it's just, it's taped for sure. It's not taped. Sorry. It's not taped at all. It's not taped at all. It's the moon landing all yeah, over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not taped at all. It's like, it, this is real. It's just that Johnny uh, produces such a good show. It looks taped. There's no tape at all. So uh, if you guys have questions, this is the time. we got about five to ten minutes of your best questions. Time for the question and answer segment. Oh, my God. What do we got? King of the dorks. Come on. Hit us with one. Uh, real quick, somebody wants to know what the shirt is you're wearing. So I don't know what the official name of the shirt is, but it's part of our new summer Miami Beach collection as well. What's the official name of the Miami Vice? Vice City collection. I'm sorry, I should not name the goddamn products. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's part of the Vice City collection. So there's apparel, there's a full product line. So Tango, Grunt, Big Noise, Double Tap Powder, uh, Total War. I think that's, that's the it. gamut of all the Vice City products. Right, you can't ask the questions on live. It looks like you're you're like doing this. You let them. Ask the question. So Johnny needs to pull up the questions from the past. When is the new merchandise coming out? Which which merchandise is that? I think this one's referring to this. Yeah. What is that? That and uh, basic training. So these were questions we took from earlier when people wrote in. So well, there's so many of them. I see thousands of them. Picked yes. one of the thousands. You don't write it though, because it looks like it's bullshit. Then, right? Right. Ryan's just typing in all the questions. 
Uh, you have to go live to listeners, Ryan. You don't know about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> if any way in the future you make more gym and read this, I'm not good. It's just not in English, really. Make more gym in other areas like Orlando. Be awesome to work out at Redcon. I mean, Orlando's only two and a half hours away, so luckily it's not too far. Uh, Melanie and Ryan drive down on the weekends. They're two of our tier operators actually have memberships for the weekend that come down from Orlando. Um, it is possible though. I mean, yeah, we, we've actually Miami talked. and Orlando are two that are possible. Yeah, we've also had requests from Sweden, UK right New now. New Jersey. I got a guy who wants to talk to me about New Jersey, a gym in New Jersey. So it is possible we might branch the gyms out. It would probably be franchises, not yeah. us running it, because if we got another damn business, I'm gonna die. No, um, no, but. Yeah, it is possible. It's definitely possible. But if you ever do get a chance, take the two and a half hour drive and come down here. Yeah, if you love the gym and you want to see it, it's it's definitely important and it's worth your drive to come down here. And if you want to franchise the gym and you have the funds, this is the big thing. You have to have the funds available, not just to pay for the franchise, but also to make the gym as good or better and similar to the current Red Cone gym. So I have a guy that we're supposed to talk to who's a New Jersey guy who wants to bring it to New Jersey who has the funds and the ability to create a Red Cone like gym in New Jersey. That's a possibility. I would yeah. love to have one in New York, New Jersey, but it needs to be as good or better than Red Cone. Yeah, because the gyms are also kind of our Apple stores for the yeah, brand as has well to for be. the product. So it has to be. Yeah, it's got to match. It can't be some shitty gym you put the Red Cone one name on because then what is it? What does Red Cone gym mean anyway? It means nothing. So um, if you want a Red Cone gym and you got the funds, you could probably hit up, who could you hit up? Eduardo at redcon1.com, Eduardo at redcon1.com. You get a yeah. very warm and welcome. Yes, that could be a good one for you. <laughs> you can hit him up and say, hey man, I want to start a gym, and then he'll come interview you after that. Uh, and if you have the right bank account balance, and you really want to do it, and you want to make an awesome gym, we can help you along the way, and it will include, this is the best part, it will include uh, very awesome prices on Red Cohen supplements. And I think that's where we can really win is because if we give them close to cost prices, it gives them another channel to make good money at the gym. Will you guys get more into the supportive gear wraps, sleeves, and soft belts? We have them. We have all of them. So no, <laughs> we've got all those. Yeah, we're Every one of those are on the site right now. Uh, when will the full series of basic training come out? So that's Bruh. next week, right, Ryan? Correct. So what day next week? It should be the 24th. Is that Friday? No, that would be like a no, Sunday. No. You have a calendar on that fancy phone? I do. He's not sure. So Alpha launched tonight. And so if you remember the Alpha team launched, and I actually saw Shoe building the kits today in, in my lab. So that became a uh, packing station today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's building the kits today for the launch. So uh, it is actually Wednesday the 24th. Okay, so, so it's not Wednesday. Actually, it's the following Wednesday. Week. All right, cool. So on Wednesday, you'll be able to see on the Red Cat One site. We will be releasing the basic training series. Can you yeah. name all of them? So, <laughs> so name all of them quickly, quickly. So beta alanine, yes, BCA powder, uh -huh. creatine, yeah, CLA, uh -huh. yeah. glutamine, yeah. liquid carnitine, yeah. ZMA, uh -huh. uh, quickly. fish oil, uh -huh. citrulline, yeah. uh, sure. vitamin did you say C. creatine monohydrate? Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, there's more. There's carnitine liquid. Carnitine? I said liquid carnitine. Say Yohembian? ZMA, Yohembi. Um, I went alphabetically on my price sheet. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, there's a shitload of them, and they are built to uh, create an awesome formula. So the idea is supercharge that you can supercharge your current products. You can create uh, products that don't exist. You can make your own products, and uh, it'll great, give it a great opportunity for people out there 
who want these products like a, just a beta alanine and they don't want anything else. And uh, every GNC, every single store that you go to has a basic creatine monohydrate unflavored, has many of these products already. Maybe they don't have the BCAs unflavored, but they have almost everything else and they're very popular and they're not made by Redcon 1, but now they are. Uh, any plans to replace the med kit with a basic series? No, no. So we do have a health series coming out called MASH. Yep. Maintain and support health, which is what MASH stands for. Just like the old TV show MASH and the MASH unit. But it's going to be a little ways away. So. Yeah, so those are all, it's it's kind of taking the elements of med kit and then making them standalone products. So liver support, health, you know, brain support, heart function, kidney function, uh, mental acuity. So we have that that line's been fleshed out forever. It's just been kind of slow to get it out the door, to be honest, with everything we got going on. Uh, but MedKit, it's not just a vitamin mineral pack. I think that's the one thing that maybe people miss the mark on. I mean, it has fish oil, it has liver support, it has heart support. It was really our first product that we developed with Dallas because it mm -hmm. carried around this plastic baggie full of his whole health solution. Yeah, so that's really what it was. So it's more than just a multivitamin. So uh um see. This gentleman says, when will you start selling your products in South Europe? We already do. At this very moment, you can go to uk.redcon1.com. You get purchased direct from us. There's also many stores and distributors and Amazon everywhere else that sell in Southern Europe. Um, but if, if you'd like to get it direct from us, you can go to UK, which is the EU site, not just Redcon UK, eu.redcon1 or uk.redcon1.com. And you can see all the products that we have direct. They will reach you if you're in the EU in a day or two. So pretty good. Any word on new FUBAR flavors? We actually have two in the hopper. We have grape and we have sour gummy bear. It really just comes down to as that product just gets more popular and there's more demand in the sense of like the retail channels. Yeah. As it gets more out in that retail space, you'll see us launch it more. So for us with FUBAR, FUBAR was going to be, I mean, it's still going to be the biggest, big next thing, right? Before Emory RTD comes out, our RTD protein drink, um, that was our big, big bet. And unfortunately, COVID happened, all this nonsense, riots, craziness. So before all that, this would have been already at this point a very big deal and we would have come up with all the flavors. But because of everything that happened, we didn't get out there to the places that committed to us and said, yes, we're going to we're going to carry it. So right now it's happening. And after that happens, we'll develop new flavors. We've become accustomed to and uh, kind of of the opinion that you don't come up with new flavors until you have, you know, some sort of market penetration or saturation. And so you'll see right now we're about to come out with very, very soon a new flavor of the Total War RTD, which has been incredibly popular and is in every gym is arguably the most popular um, pre-workout RTD in history. Um, now we are coming out with new flavors and it's we had to take time to make sure we were there to justify having new flavors. Right, just like Emery Light. Uh, we have Fudge Brownie Emery Light and, uh, and vanilla, vanilla Milkshake yep. launching and also Vanilla Milkshake on the regular MRE because again, there's now a demand for it. So when we plug this in, it's just, you know, it, people will, like in the stores will make shelf space for it because it, there's the built-in demand for it. So there's always the economical side of business that, you know, there's a lot of stuff we could do, but we only have so many dollars to do it with and so much space to put it in. The retailers only have so much space. So, so let, let me talk for one second before we get going. It's about timing. Timing in business is everything. Timing is as important or more important as any other factor. So when you are ready to come out with something, doesn't mean you're really ready to come out with it. And we had a person recently say to me, oh, you should have done the energy shot before. You could have started with the energy shot. You'd have been great. Energy, FUBAR would have been awesome. Beat five-hour energy. You should just start with that. I'm like, no, 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 no. So if we would have started with five-hour energy as our main competitor, 
They're a monster. They're a huge, they're a behemoth. We'd come out with FUBAR and have no momentum, have no demand. We'd go against the behemoth. And, and I told him, no, that's not the case. In fact, we came out with FUBAR at the exact right time. We came out when we have a landslide of support where we have the ability to spend marketing dollars to push FUBAR, that we have people that are excited about it. We have accounts that want to buy it that are lined up to carry it, that we have the military, we have the exporting goods, we have all these grocery stores, we have C stores that all want FUBAR. This is the exact right time to come out with it. You cannot, you can never underestimate timing in business. And so for a lot of people out there, they go, well, I have the best. So it could be like, let's pretend. So we, as you're looking at it right now, it's the best looking, it's the most efficacious, and it's the most reasonably priced shot, energy shot on the market, bar none. But imagine you don't know us, you don't know Redcon, you don't know FUBAR, just that drink right there. As cool as it looks, you're going to go, well, who the hell are these guys and why do I want them? We don't have to overcome that now. When somebody walks up and sees five-hour energy, which I'm sure they're great guys, great business, they're going to look at this and go, well, shit, these guys are way cooler. Everybody knows them, and they have a better product that looks better and it's cheaper. It's an easy win, easy win. Yeah, and just like the uh, Emory RTD, you know, we've been pushing to get this out the door from you know, the beginning of the year, but it's a blessing in disguise to Aaron's point from yeah. a timing perspective because with retail locations closed, gyms closed, we would have had a warehouse oh, full man. of product that was would age out, and it could have been a bad financial situation for the brand. Where now we're actually will launch this product because we do our, our final pilot. So this is kind of asinine. We have to do two pilot runs, uh, but a pilot run on Monday, which it, it'll all go smooth. And then we're six weeks out from that date of actually launching it. So, you know, it's one of those things where if it would have happened when we wanted it to happen, we probably would have been up shit's Creek. So let's, let's end the show with this, Eric, that that is an important point, right? Things happen the way they're supposed to happen, whether you believe it or you understand it or not, because, the world works in a mysterious way and the universe is a crazy thing that nobody can understand. But that is a great example of that because we thought, holy shit, we keep getting fucked. Every time we think the release is happening, it's supposed to happen January 1st. So I have this, this is like, this is fucked up. I got my dude kicked in every yeah, week. We, on that. Yeah, me asking Eric, where the fuck's the fucking RTD? And so like every week we're thinking, why is this not happening? This should be happening. We're stressing. We're, we're I'm harassing him. He's harassing them. Everything is happening. Right. And we say, why is this happening to us? We did everything right. They were getting screwed by the universe. And then COVID happens, right? And COVID happens. And if we would have got the products on January 1st, which has a half-life of 18 months, we would have had January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Who the fuck knows? And we would have been sitting on this product that nobody wants, that all the gyms are closed, and nobody's picking up new products. All the people like Walmart, the people that committed to this, are not doing a reset till October, November, December, January. Now we're sitting on a product that's short dated, that's in the millions, in the millions. And we would have been sitting there being like, uh-oh, we have to blow it out. We don't know what to do. Yeah. That's such a big bet. There's million, tens of millions of dollars on the line. And instead, we haven't got it yet, which instead of being a disaster and ridiculous and something we didn't know what to do is now a blessing. So that's how life should be looked at because ultimately you can always look and be woe is me. You can always say, Things are not the way that they should be. I, this is not justified. This is not justice. But at the end of the day, truly, it is how you look at things, what the options are on the table, and then how do you decide what's good and bad? And a lot of times, something that seems bad can ultimately be good. For my life, many of the worst things in my life have led to the best things in my life. And it's strictly about how you look at what you're doing, dealing with, how you deal with it, and then how you react. 
It's very easy to be sorry for yourself, to feel sad and depressed, put your head in a hole uh, like an ostrich and bury your head and say, screw it, I'm never coming out of here. But the truth is that if you look around and look for opportunity before you know it, you may be in a much better place than you were before. And that's what's happened to Red Kind One. That's what's happened to me. And if I didn't do that in the past, I wouldn't be here today. Same with me. Every The worst things that have happened in my life have actually turned a corner to the best things. And I know we've talked about that before. We've talked about that with a rabbi yeah. in the sense of, you know, that is a part of yeah. you know Jewish culture where it's like, yeah, that, you know, bad things happen for and again, it may not present itself at a moment of why, right. but it leads to something good. It's like, I wholeheartedly believe that. So I don't I don't mind saying about that. So uh, one of the things the rabbi says, so my rabbi who comes to the office every week, which I was always mystified by why he would come um, quite often. We would say, why is this guy coming, right? Every week he's coming and talking to me, who's kind of like almost a non-believer, right? He's coming and talking to me and telling me about things that are going on and the Torah and the all this stuff, I'm like, whatever. I'm just, I'm humoring him because he's coming all the way to the office. And he said something really meaningful. And it's, it meant something to you too, big time. Because he talked about Kabbalah and what it means in life to not understand where things are going. And I love this about, you know, I don't know if I, what I believe or don't believe, but I can tell you for sure that I do believe. And I love the fact that one of the things he told me is that God, uh, whether you believe in him or not, or the universe or some energy is that everything happens for a purpose, whether it's understood by you or not. And so what he means by that, what Kabbalah talks about is that, you know, life is like a, almost like a, a magical uh, weave, right? Where all these things are weaved together and all these threads, you can't understand. Something could be totally un ununderstandable to you. So a, a close friend passes away. For no reason. And you go, well, that didn't make any sense. Why would this good friend of mine who's been so good in life die early, right? But that good friend dies early to create a ripple effect that makes you uh, treat another person different or take a look at your life more closely and hug a loved one. And that loved one that you hug was on the edge of killing himself. I'm giving a very extreme example. But give him a hug and you say, hey, man, I love you. And he was on the edge of killing himself. But instead of killing himself, he lives and has a child that then one day cures disease and, and cures millions of people. That's nothing you'll ever be able to understand or be able to connect, but something that he did, even though it was a terrible thing, he, he passed away and that was bad to everybody else. He created this ripple effect that created this cause of positivity that helped other people. And I always like to think of that. Um, and I believe in that. And whether I believe what the rabbi says all the time or not, I do believe that the universe is not something you can understand. But ultimately, if you look for the positive things, even though it seems terribly negative to you at the time, it may be causing something or will be causing something really positive in the future. It's what you choose to find in it, too. It's what you choose to believe, truthfully. It's what you choose to believe, right? You can believe it. You can, like you said, you can, like when we lost our son, I had a moment of like clarity where I was like, I can either go down the rabbit hole and be the most negative person and let my life slide, yeah. or I can say I have a positive in it and I still have a wife, I still have another son, and there's, hope for the future. And then this is an extreme example, but but in that kind of example, because one of the big things that he deals with is people that lose children or he deals with Holocaust survivors. And they said, what was it? There's no point in this. This is crazy. God forsake us, right? And he says, well, and it's something that needs to come from a person who's ready. He won't say it to somebody who's not ready. He needs to know that they're ready to say, hey, this terrible thing happened so that you can react this way that will help another person in a different way. You can explain your situation to somebody else in your life that will help them in a positive way. And who knows what they will accomplish or what will come of that. 
And, uh, and it's a difficult concept to get. And he says a lot of times something that he doesn't share. But to me, I, I internalize that. And when something bad happens to me, I think, well, what butterfly effect can come good of that thing? So, and so, and so right now we're in a time in this world, in the country where things seem to not make sense, right? It seems things could be like, this could be inscrutable to a lot of people. And you could see only the negatives. But the truth of the fact is, I believe the rabbi says, whether you believe Judaism, Catholicism, or anything else, you could be agnostic. But I think most people can believe that out of negative can come positive. And so I'm hoping personally, I know Eric's hoping personally, and Red Kawan is certainly hoping that out of all of these bad events we discussed today, that positivity will abound, that will create positivity, and that people will look not just at the negative and things that are going wrong right now, but also at what could come of these negative things. Because change comes often from negative things. Change doesn't come without some tough conversations, hard work, pain. I mean, but that's it's, that's how it is, man. That's how it is. You don't all happy and smile and feel great, and then everybody, something dramatic happens. It's not, it's not how. It's not a movie from the 80s. No, it's not from the 80s. As much as I would love it to be Karate Kid or some John shit. Hughes film. Yeah, it's yeah. not. That's not the way life is. So thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Um, we appreciate it. We love uh, having you guys here. Hopefully, you will tell everyone about the readiness report. You can explain to them this is not a Redcon One production, although it is. Uh, it is a production of uh, of the Times, and that we hope that people will come listen to the show and watch the show. Uh, you can watch the show obviously on YouTube Live, Facebook Live. You can watch after the fact on YouTube, and then you can listen on Spotify, Stitcher, and of course iTunes. It is not uh, something you have to watch, although we'd love for you to tune in and watch. But more importantly, we would love for you to tell your friends and uh, get the word out because the show is different. It is unique. And it is not about fitness. It's about the world. Giving the opinions of people like Jordan Zimmerman, self-made billionaire, and all these guys tonight, SEAL Team 6, Sean Rosario, Colin Wayne, entrepreneur, business owner, combat veteran, and Carl Nor, my good friend who runs his very, very popular podcast, um, Superhuman Radio. So next week, we have a bunch of good. We have another really exciting series of guests. We'll also have the the owners and leaders of the Murph, Sam and Mikey on Sowers, Mikey Sowers, who's also a Navy SEAL for, I think, 20 years. Uh, they're going to come on. They're the owner of Forge Clothing. They'll be on next week along with some other cool guests. So make sure to tune in, tell your friends. We'll be back next week.